0: No individual is an island. Whether we live in the city or the country, we all live in civilizations. There are a lot of positive aspects to this way of life. Laws keep people safe. Political systems give the world order. And cultural identities bind us together. But civilization has its downsides. For Sigmund Freud, the famous psychoanalyst of the 19th and 20th centuries, civilization was a problem.
1: The sort of foundational idea that Freud gets to is that we are at base very aggressive creatures. We delight in exercising our aggression, in killing one another, in hurting other people, in promoting our own superiority. And civilization, with its laws and mores, prevents us from gratifying that aggressiveness.
0: That's Elizabeth Lundbeck, a professor in the history of science at Harvard University. She's talking about Freud's theory of civilization, which he laid out in his 1930 book, Civilization and Its Discontents.
1: Civilization's a
0: problem, and it makes us unhappy.
1: So Freud argues he might think that we could just go back to a state of nature and everyone could just live out their licentiousness sexually, aggressively, and so on. But he says everywhere that's been tried, we set up barriers because we somehow need those barriers to overcome in order for us to feel gratified.
0: So civilization is actually good. This contradicts the
1: idea that civilization is a problem, but that's the point. So the main argument of the book turns on a paradox, and the paradox is this. Civilization, which we created to ensure our happiness, Turns out this same civilization is what is the source of our greatest misery. So we are our own worst enemies.
0: Welcome to Rit Large, a podcast about books that change the world. I'm Zachary Davis. In each episode, I talk to one of the world's leading scholars about the impact one book had. Today, I'm talking to Professor Elizabeth Lundbeck about civilization and its discontents. Sigmund Freud was born in 1856.
1: He was born in a small town in Central Europe, moved when he was very young to Vienna, where he stayed until 1939 and died in London, having been driven out of his native Vienna by the rise of the Nazis.
0: Freud is best known for his work in the field of psychoanalysis, a theory for treating mental health disorders by studying the unconscious mind. But he began his career as a medical professional, studying the brain.
1: He was a neurologist who early on became very interested in the question of hysteria, which is why especially young women were falling victim to diseases that seemed to have no organic substrate.
0: These women refused to speak or eat, or they contorted their bodies, but nobody could find a medical reason for their behavior.
1: And he came up with a theory of trauma, that they had been sexually traumatized in early life And his role as healer was to dig down through the layers that had hidden that trauma and to reach that trauma, expose it to light, and to effect a cure. Freud argued that people
0: repress memories that are painful and that those memories are stored in the unconscious. We can gain access to that unconscious by interpreting dreams, among other methods. He wrote about this theory in his 1899 book, appropriately called The Interpretation of Dreams. Freud spent the first decades of his career focused on the psychology of individuals. But by 1929, he'd zoomed out to talk about civilization more broadly. He brought this broader focus to civilization and its discontents. Here's Professor Lundbeck reading
1: a bit of the text. The element of truth behind all this, which people are so ready to disavow, is that men are not gentle creatures who want to be loved and who at most can defend themselves if they are attacked. They are, on the contrary, creatures among whose instinctual endowments is to be reckoned a powerful share of aggressiveness.
0: So what is civilization for Freud then? It sounds like it's, you know, not art galleries and wine tastings. It's something more like a way of creating order out of chaos.
1: Yes. So he's kind of playing with this idea that um, civilization is that sort of high culture. So we think that we are living in a high bourgeois culture with art, literature, music, and so on. But Freud lived through World War I with the senseless slaughter of 16 million people. Um, he also was writing this as Hitler was gaining adherence and the threat of what was coming next was very evident to him. So for him, civilization is a system of laws, orders, norms that makes society hold together. And this is always in danger of unraveling because of our mutual hostility to one another.
0: So let's go a little deeper into um, Freud's idea that of the paradox that we have animal instincts that that seek to express themselves, but we have created all sorts of constraints on those. What is that feeling that he tries to describe and um, why does he think we can't escape it?
1: He's very clear that hostility toward the other is fundamental to our nature. That for him is non-negotiable. And there's a lot in the book about how the hostility we have for one another constantly threatens the unraveling of civilization. He has a wonderful passage where he argues against those who would say that we have been civilized, in quotes. He says, men are not gentle creatures who want to be loved. We will attack ourselves if we're defended. This is instinctual in us. It is the way we are wired. It's the way we're built. And so he says, You know, Christianity, Western culture holds, love thy neighbor as thyself. He's like, "Ah, that's bunk. If we love everybody equally, the love has no meaning. Furthermore, why should I love my neighbor? He says, my neighbor is not only a potential helper or sexual object, but someone who tempts us to satisfy their aggressiveness on him, to exploit his capacity for work without compensation, to use him sexually without his consent, to seize his possessions, to humiliate him, to cause him pain, to torture, and to kill him. Man is a wolf to man. That's basic Freud stripped down of all the sort of trappings, that we are at base fundamentally aggressive. And he ends the book by basically saying... We might have controlled nature, but we would have no difficulty in exterminating one another to the last man. So it's a very bleak view of how our human relations are just riven through with this aggressiveness.
0: Freud had good reason to think that people were fundamentally aggressive. He had seen a lot of suffering in his lifetime, in his personal life, his patients, and his country. He theorized that human suffering came from three sources.
1: One is from our own bodies, our health, or lack thereof. Makes perfect sense. Another is from nature and what nature does, and we're certainly aware of this now with the force of nature being talked about ever more urgently. And the third is our relations with other people. So hell is other people. That kind of line. And Freud sees that as the most intractable in a way. So civilization and its discontents is really about hellish other people, but it's also about how we have brought those hellish other people into ourselves.
0: What does Freud think about science and technology then with this pessimism about civilization?
1: Freud's interesting on that. He thinks that basically science and technology will not be able to solve or resolve the fundamental problems that are inherent in our nature as aggressive beings. Um, Science and technology have given us progress, but progress has opened up new problems for us. And he uses the example of the railroad. So the railroad is great, right? You can go visit someone far away. It's very easy. You just get on the train. But he says, if there hadn't been a railroad, my children would not have moved far away and I wouldn't need to get on the train.
0: Consider the exciting new technologies of our day. Computers, mobile phones, the Internet. These certainly help us in many, many ways. Yet because they can't change our core human natures,
1: they inevitably open up all sorts of new challenges and dilemmas. So progress doesn't really help us um, evade this fundamental problem of who we are at base, which is these aggressive, hostile beings. I mean, it presents a kind of a huge blow to our conception of ourselves as civilized beings. In Freud's view, humans aren't just hostile towards one another, but also towards ourselves. We oppress ourselves. We oppress ourselves on a grand level by setting up civilization, which limits our gratification, but we also oppress ourselves on an individual level by setting up this agency he calls a superego that watches us and monitors us
0: Freud believed that there were three parts of the mind, the id, the ego, and the superego. The id represents our animal instincts, and it wants instant gratification. The superego polices the id and strives for perfection. The ego is the rational part that wants to satisfy both the controlling superego and the wild id.
1: And in in a wonderful turn of phrase, he compares this superego to a garrison in a conquered city. It's set up within us, and make sure that we behave. The superego is the part that has internalized civilization's rules.
0: And Freud argues, the better you behave, the stronger the superego becomes, and the
1: harder it becomes to violate that moral code. As his argument unfolds, it's clear that those who are good, who believe in, you know, amiable relations among persons, um, their super egos are just going to get stronger, while those who have no conscience, no empathy, as we would say now, who don't play by the rules, get away with it, because they aren't constrained by the same internal agency that constrains, quote, the good people. So it's really tragic, if you think about it. Freud lives on in ways that are impossible to eradicate. So one of the ways that he lives on is our idea that early childhood matters. It's fundamental. That comes from Freud, that children are sexual, that they have needs for um, gratification early on. That comes from Freud. Our culture has recognized that. There's no way to eradicate that. The idea that we don't really know what we're doing all the time. The idea that we have an unconscious. Even if you don't believe in the unconscious, the idea that we make, for example, Freudian slips. That would be hard, I think, to eradicate because it's become so much part of who we are. That's a Freudian inheritance. That's a Freudian achievement.
0: Freud introduced the idea that people don't know what they're doing or saying all the time. You mean to say one word, but you say another. Or you intend to do one thing, but you do something else instead. But Freud also popularized the idea of talking as a way to find out what your unconscious self is trying to say.
1: Freud gave rise to sort of the culture of therapy as a replacement for the confessional. That has been one of the main themes in writing about 20th century culture, was that we used to go to priests and shamans and so on for sort of wisdom, but with the 20th century, kind of the clinic replaced the church, and that now we seek out healers, psychological healers, um, to unburden ourselves of our inner conflicts. That is so much part of American culture and even wider European Western culture that it would be hard to imagine eradicating it. This creation or
0: sharing of a life story doesn't just happen in the doctor's office. It's everywhere and
1: often very public. The whole kind of reality TV, Oprah, the pathography kind of telling one's life as a series of obstacles that were overcome, one was defeated, then one saw the light and so on, that's a staple of our culture now. And I think we can see its roots in what an early patient – on an O called talking therapy, talking cure. The talking cure is everywhere in our culture. Talk, talk, talk is an idea that we have to get out what's inside of us in order to live our best lives.
0: In some ways, psychoanalysis replaced the confessional and the psychoanalyst replaced the religious leader. But psychoanalysis
1: had nothing to do with religion, at least not the way Freud saw it. So Freud thought of himself as a scientist, and he was 100% committed to the proposition that psychoanalysis was a science.
0: Religion, according to Freud, was not a science at all. Civilization and its discontents begins with a discussion of religion, which Freud described as a, quote, oceanic
1: feeling of wholeness. That's not scientific. That's illusion. Science is about truth, truth actuality, materiality, and so on. And he saw psychoanalysis as committed to the scientific method.
0: Not everyone agreed with Freud. Some called talk therapy a pseudoscience and claimed that Freud was only interested in sex. Freud certainly talks about sex in civilization and its discontents. But in this text, another base urge dominates.
1: One thing that's interesting about civilization and its discontents is it's about the ways that we deny ourselves sexual gratification, but it's really about aggression, um, even more so than about sex, I think. Our aggressiveness is really what distinguishes us.
0: Well, and I think you, you were saying earlier, before the conversation began, no, you see signs all around us in our culture, unfortunately, of aggression resurfacing again and again, that. You know, Freud seems to suggest you'll never you'll never solve these problems once and for all. Civilization is always... <laughs> teetering
1: on the brink. <laughs> That's right. And I think now with the kind of stoking of aggressiveness, which goes on, it's going on all over the world. And we, you know, certainly new technologies, social media have increased um, the kind of prevalence while decreasing the stakes because now you can sit at your computer at 3 a.m. by yourself and send out all kinds of hateful messages so you're not, you don't actually have to be in the crowd as you would have had to be in Freud's time. But you can stoke those aggressions among others at a very low cost to yourself. It's pretty easy to do that. Um, and if you look at the heightened aggression. Of public discourse now um, in various regimes, even at the heart of Western civilization, um, it's pretty frightening. People are really anxious and on the edge of what Freud's talking about, a mutual hostility, and the way that people snap out at one another, and you know, there's been no end to the endless wars. We're still killing each other, and I think you can see in some things that leaders say that killing can be fun for people. I obviously don't endorse that view, just to be clear. But if you think about it, the optimism with which the troops marched off to World War I, um, that's not been lost. So it's a, it's a pretty grim view of human nature. But— if you look at the 20th century, it's a pretty grim century. There's a lesson in here that I think is really valuable. You don't have to accept it, lock, sock and barrel, but it's a it's a good tonic to counter optimism, I think. Civilization and its Discontents was a book that emerged during dark times. He finished the book in 1929 and apparently delivered it to the publishers a week after the Great Crash of '29 which led to the Great Depression, which then led to World War II, and just the amount of suffering. So I think the book really is the story of the 20th century, which is a century of war, constant war, and slaughter on a scale that had never been seen before. And it's continued to this day. Freud's understanding of civilization
0: can help us understand the individual and society today. The world is facing mass migration, refugee crises, and the rise of totalitarianism. Nearly a century after it was written, civilization and its discontents remains valuable.
1: I think if you want to understand something about the culture that has produced us, where we sit now in 2019, um, you ought to read some Freud, along with reading a number of other major works. And this is as good a place to start as any. And I think it's pretty apposite in our times now when aggression seems pretty close to the surface, always threatening to break out. I think it's a really useful book to kind of think about, reflect on, is this the way it has to be? Are there solutions? What are those solutions? Can we escape this? How can we live happily and feel ourselves living gratified, gratifying lives without killing one another. Seems like that is one of the questions that faces humanity today. And especially as climate change leads to scarcity, dislocation, so all the problems of the 20th century um, magnified nature roaring back to torment us. I think Freud's kind of sardonic wit and also kind of just like resignation in a way is kind of comforting.
0: RIT Large is produced by Galen Beebe, Jack Pombriant, and me, Zachary Davis. We get help from Liza French. Our theme song is by Ian Koss, and our branding is by Dan Petchy. We're a member of Lit Hub Radio. RIT Large is a Lyceum original production. Join our discussion room in the Lyceum app to share your thoughts and hear what other listeners are saying. You can also find us on our website, writlarge.fm. There you'll find transcripts, links to the books we discussed, and more information about today's guest. Thanks for listening. See you next time.